Welcome to Middle Grade Mavens, where two author mums discuss their favourite middle grade books, provide recommendations and share insider industry tips for authors trying their hand at middle grade. Julie Ann Grasso is the author of the Frankie DuPont mystery series, cupcake enthusiast and part-time library book wrangler. Pamela Eucherman is a writer, dancer and homeschooling mum who sometimes finds time for sleep. Both Julie and Pamela devour middle grade books, not only for research, but to share with their combined brood of four munchkins. Here we are at Middle Grade Mavens and we're doing something a little different today. If you've been listening to our show this year, you'll know we are avid supporters of Kidlit Vic, a dedicated industry conference held in Melbourne on May 30, 2020. Our aim is to help you prepare for when those assessments go on sale. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome Nancy Conescue, Children's Editor at Burbay Books. Hi, Nancy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And welcome to Middle Grade Mavens. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited. This is going to be my first year going to Kidlit Vic, and I've heard such wonderful things about it. So I'm really looking forward to being there. Yeah, it's an absolutely wonderful day. We can't wait to meet you in person too. (laughs) Oh, thank you. So Nancy, when the word editor is spoken into the mist, I guess some people would conjure the image of an oversized comfy chair, editor nestled within, a red pen in hand by which the editor is casually scribbling away on a paper manuscript. Now we know it's way more complex than that. Would you share a day in the life of Nancy Conescue? Absolutely. That sounds a little bit glamorous, though. Um, You know, what's interesting is we're working on books at at all different stages um, at the same time. So for me right now, for example, I have one book where I'm looking at proofs and liaising with the printer to make sure every image is just right and working with the author illustrator to um, make some corrections there. I have other books where I'm reviewing interior files and kind of working with the designer and Um, the author to make sure we're all happy with exactly how the visual flow of the story is working. And there's a lot of back and forth there and corrections. Um, I have some people who are just delivering their work. So that's exciting to see what their, you know, we say final draft, but it's not final until a little bit later (laughs) on. Of course not. Yeah. Seeing, you know, reading those, you know, almost final projects as they come in and then always always looking at new projects I'll have you know every day I also will be connecting with the authors I've signed up so we'll um, you know have emails back and forth or they might have questions about where we are on their project or they'll send me something to look at so I go back and forth with them I'll sometimes connect with agents and I'm looking at new submissions and I mean I have to say I really love um, the hunt of finding new projects so that's something I'm spending a lot of time doing. And especially as we're growing our fiction list at Burbay, that's something that is really interesting and exciting and important to us. Um, so I am spending a lot of time also kind of looking for new talent. And sometimes that comes as submissions and sometimes that's looking at someone's work and saying, wow, this adult author you know, could really write younger based on the fact that you know he or she has a, a 
character who's like a 10-year-old protagonist. And I wonder how that would look. We're looking at a picture book author who might have a narrative voice that's a bit older. And actually, Edwina, uh, I think, told you, but, you know, her work started as a picture book that we turned into a middle grade. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of that kind of seeing where someone's writing and how, you know, if they might work at a different age group. Um, So there's a lot of kind of exploring. But one of the things I I like about being an editor is that every day is kind of different, Um, just like every book is. I mean, because so much of when we work on books, it's also about our relationship with the author. So I think, you know, everyone leads complicated lives. So as you're getting to know someone and work with someone, it's about figuring out what works best for them and what they're most comfortable with and how people... um, receive feedback. So I have some people who like to get written notes. I have some people who would rather talk about it first, some people who would rather talk about it after and like to kind of process everything in writing first. Um, yeah. So it's kind of figuring out what makes people feel comfortable and working with them in that way. Oh, that sounds wonderful. And so <laughs> it's just so multitasking all at once, I, I imagine. So so Nancy, I follow this Twitter hashtag called MSWL, which you probably know stands for Manuscript Wishlist. It's mostly overseas editors contributing their wishlists, but I've always hoped to see some Australian children's book editors embrace the hashtag. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Now, if the mavens could be so bold, would you share what is on your manuscript wishlist for Burbay Books? Absolutely. I would love to find um, some books in the vein of Katie Camillo's writing. I think she just has kind of a pitch perfect middle grade sensibility and she she um, tackles middle grade issues, but not in a didactic way. I just I think she's brilliant. I also absolutely love Karen Foxley. So anything yes. in the vein of Karen Foxley would be on my wish list. Um, also, Catherine Applegate. Um, I think she's another person who just kind of taps into that magical realism in such a compelling way. And I also always talk about kind of, I would say it's smart kid middle grade, which sounds pretentious. But what I mean is books like um, The Mysterious Benedict Society by uh, Trenton Lee Stewart. I just think that those kind of intricate novels where everything fits together just right are exciting. And they're not for every kid. I mean, they are on the sort of the upper end of middle grade. And I think they're hard to do well. And they're really hard to find because I have to say, I've been on the hunt for one for a while, but that um, (laughs) fiction I love. Yeah, so I think that would be it. But I do any I I'm always looking for something with a touch of whimsy. I'm a bit of a sucker for things that have some sort of connection to a museum. I loved the mixed up files of Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler when I was young. Yes. And I always think that sort of there's a little bit of magic in visiting museums. So I, I do look for stories that have some sort of tie to that. And the other thing that I will add just right now is I'm always looking for a good compelling ballet story oh fantastic oh um I know there'll be some pens scribbling away listening (laughs) to your wish list so (laughs) yes Um, on the ballet side though I think it has to be someone who really has an experience um personal experience with dance or has really researched it well um yeah to make it believable Oh, we'll have to send a little whisper to Maven Pamela because I don't know if you know she's actually a ballet dancer. Ah, very nice. <laughs> so, get on it, Pamela. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk word counts now that we're talking about um, manuscripts. 
I may or may not have a reputation for being somewhat a prude in the Department of Middle Grade Word Counts. Can you give us an insider industry tip on what exactly Nancy considers an acceptable middle grade word count to be? I have to say, I'm really not a stickler for word counts. And it's interesting, I've talked to other editors about this too, on both the picture book and middle grade side. I'd say I'm a little, I mean, on the picture book side, I usually say fewer than a thousand words is ideal. But on the middle grade side, I really never like to box people in. And I honestly have to say, when I'm signing up a book and putting in a word count on a contract, I've often had to refer back to other books to check the word count. Because I think for me, it's much more voice and story driven. And when yeah. I'm reading something, I'm much more guided by, you know, where it feels slow, if we're keeping the reader engaged. And I think that's kind of a bigger problem. If, you know, then the fact that it's running too long, it's what is the problem in the story here? So yeah. I don't really focus on that. And again, I think if it's running short, I feel like oftentimes, you know, it's not about as much about the word count as about, you know, are we leaving readers satisfied? Do they feel like they've had a complete story? Have we dug deep enough? So I guess I'm much more focused on um, the intricacy of the story than kind of the word count in and of itself. I feel like that's yeah. kind of more technical and very separate from the story itself. And I like to be fully um, invested in the story. Yeah, yeah. And I think lots of people breathe a sigh of relief when they hear that because they get so <laughs> obsessed with word counts. So Nancy, and it's funny, it, like I have to say, just going back to that, I think it's something I mean, most editors I talk to, I mean, I would have this conversation in the States. I've talked about it um, with our managing director, really don't think as much in terms of word count. It's much more, I mean, we do look at page count. And again, if you're going to be going for translation, sometimes if you're going really long, that can be tricky for translation rights. But overall, yeah. I think it's much more about keeping the reader engaged. Oh, exactly. Yep. So Nancy, I've asked this question of authors and also publishers. Um, I think I've even asked it of a few editors, but now it's time to get the real inside answer. How important is having an author platform? Um, does, does it really factor in when you're acquiring a book? I consider it like a little bonus. I think it helps and it's great in terms of um, getting the word out there about a book. And I think, I mean, there are lots of different platforms and you have to consider the fact of whether that platform will translate into sales. Having a lot of followers on any one um, social media form doesn't guarantee that that will be book sales. So I think that that certainly is something I take a look at and keep in mind. And if someone has an unusually high number of followers, I think great. Um, but I'm yeah. more interested, it's not a make or break thing for me. I think it's a lot to ask every author to also be a social media wizard and fantastic at public speaking and able to do a thousand things. So I try and work with an author to see what angle is best and most comfortable for them. I think some people are really great at social media and can do it naturally. I think if you push someone to do it and it's not their thing, it comes off looking forced. And I think the same, I mean, some people are fantastic at doing um, school presentations. And some people are better at doing maybe some sort of kind of workshop that's interactive. And I think it's really important to figure out what works best for each person and not to kind of do it as a one size fits all. So it's yeah. important for an author to be able to promote his or her book, but I don't look at that. I mean, it's not for me, if someone doesn't have a platform, I don't say forget it. And if they do, I don't say, oh, well, then this is going to be easy. I think it's a jumping off point for a conversation about where we're going to go with the book and how we're going to position it and what we can both do to help the book be successful. But I just, I always am, I mean, as someone who 
you know, can be shy in certain settings myself, I'm always kind of wary of asking authors who may feel more introverted to do these things that they're not comfortable with. So I really do my best to kind of try and find a way that makes it comfortable for those people too, because there are some really talented people who may not want to do all those things. Definitely. And I know some really like well-known authors that started off really major social introverts and it wasn't until they really came into their sort of authorly ways that they really managed to start building an author platform. So yeah, it's not a, it's not the be all and end all, but it's a nice little bonus. Exactly. And I think it's a process. As you said, some people develop it later. Some people kind of like their, their social media voice evolves just in the same way that a writing voice evolves. So I think you kind of have to give people time to figure yeah. out what their strength is on the publicity side. Exactly. So Nancy, let's go a little bit more into the nitty gritty. Structural edits are inevitable in the book business. Authors can either embrace them or find them excruciating. Did you have any advice on how to go about a structural edit? Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the most important things is not being caught by surprise. So I would say before I sign up a novel, I really like to have a conversation with an author about the kind of changes I anticipate asking for and how we might work together. And sometimes, I mean, I will say when I've been in settings where there are multiple editors bidding for projects, sometimes you really connect with people. And I think sometimes you can err on, you know, or lose a project because maybe you've asked for too much feedback. I mean, too much, too many changes, but I guess I have sure. to say, I always feel it's really important to be upfront about what someone can expect so that it's not, so that that first structural edit isn't a huge shock. So I think that's something really important that authors should also ask when they're being signed up. I think there's so much excitement about getting a book deal that sometimes people just want to say yes to anything. And I think yeah. you really need to think about the integrity of your work and ask someone what kind of changes they anticipate. Now, that said, the more time you spend with a story and the more deep reading you do, you might have more thoughts about it. So I'm not saying I would you know, suggest every single edit should come up at the onset, but I do think that it shouldn't be a total shock where the edit's coming from. The yeah, other thing I'd say, yeah, is to really kind of be open to conversation. Sometimes someone might suggest something and, you know, or I might suggest something and the author doesn't like the, how I've proposed addressing some sort of problem in the text, but we might be able to look at the problem together and find a different solution. So I think it's also kind of hearing where both people are coming from and, you know, instead of just rejecting something outright, it's important to kind of have a conversation about why each person feels strongly or what is and isn't working. So I really think of it as a dialogue and I don't expect to send an edit and have an author agree with every single thing I've said. I think usually, again, that's kind of a conversation and your editor is kind of your most careful reader, probably. I mean, some yeah. people have a writer's group or someone else who might be reading for them, but generally speaking, your editors probably read your book more times than anyone else or, you know, hopefully more carefully. And so I do think it's the beginning of a conversation. And I also think, again, people process things differently. So some people need to read it, kind of read a structural edit, put it away, come back to it, have a conversation afterwards. I think it's kind of figuring out how you process feedback best. And usually, again, having a conversation or some people will kind of respond and send an edit letter back almost about which changes work for them, which don't. Um, but I think the other thing to keep in mind is that 
your editor or publisher is really doing their best to make your book as strong as it can be. And so your name is going to be the, the name that's on it, but it's our job to help make you look great. So I think course, coming yeah. at it from that angle and knowing that that's the purpose is something that's, you know, really important to keep in mind. Yeah, it's such a team sort of process. It can't be one person forward and backward. It has to be a real collaboration. So Exactly. So, Nancy, I've heard a bit of fluff in the book business where authors bang on about finding their dream agent or their dream publisher. Let's flip it the other way. What makes a dream author? I feel like I've been really lucky to work with a lot of dream authors. I mean, for me, it's someone whose writing I find really inspiring. It's someone who's open to kind of pushing their work to, and is is excited by getting feedback. I have to say, a lot of people I work with really love that editing part, kind of, even if they, again, perhaps I hear a censored version, but <laughs> it <maybe laughs> yeah. a little grumbling initially. But I think people that I work with and really enjoy working with really like kind of pushing to make their work better and stronger and trying to figure out how we can work together and being kind of open to different ideas. I love people who will kind of bounce ideas off me. I have to say, I'm someone who's really happy to be involved in the brainstorming aspect of working with on a book. So I do yep. have people who will come to me with their next idea before we've even finished one. And I'm open to that. Again, like we have to time everything in a way that works with the publishing process too. But I think like that's exciting to be part of these creative adventures with people. So I think um, for me, it's the author who's open to feedback, inspired by being pushed, um, really kind of engaged in the process. I'm not looking for someone who's, you know, read every middle grade book in the universe or can do that. I'm really looking for someone who wants to work and is excited about um, being on our list and, you know, really keen to work together. I think, again, like I said, every kind of editor, author, relationship is that it is a relationship and it's about figuring out how best to work together yeah definitely so nancy we've seen a wonderful insurgence of middle grade books having illustrations along with graphic novels can you tell us your thoughts on how you go about finding illustrators in today's social media driven world i love finding illustrators i am a picture book editor as well and i'm always I'm, I've always been really involved in kind of the visual process of my books. And I find that part of it. Um, I think, I think it's really important, especially in this day and age to make a book feel like a real object of art. And that is where the illustrations come in. So even I have to say from my very beginning in publishing, that's always been something that I've liked to do is kind of push the format. And so I think it's really exciting to see that hybrid formats keep coming more into vogue and, graphic novels too. That's been bigger in the States for a while, but I think it's coming more to Australia. In terms of how yep. I find illustrators, I have to say, I tend to have a bigger wish list of illustrators than I can possibly fill. So I <laughs> yes. do find people on Instagram. Um, I'm constantly looking at the books that are in the market, but also just kind of following different artists online. Sometimes I look at who those artists are following. Um, sometimes I see certain sort of tastemakers online and who they're following. But I tend to, I also, I mean, I have to say I've found people on Etsy over the years. Yes. I'm not really on Pinterest anymore, but I used to use Pinterest for it. Um, again, now I really rely most on Instagram. Um, yep. But I also think, I mean, 
everywhere. I think you can look at candy packaging and find an illustrator who's interesting. You can look at someone who's done an editorial piece and say, wow, this person could really do something interesting in children's. Um, yeah. I like to look at comic illustrators and see how they might work. So for me, again, that's part of the real discovery process um, that I love. Yeah, it's amazing. It's very addictive, the it old really Instagram. <laughs> and I do think, especially with Burberry, I mean, because we're known for illustrated books, I think on the fiction side, we're really focusing on um, fiction that lends itself to illustration, even if it's only chapter openers. And I think, again, we, you know, we typically publish in hardcover and we really want the book to feel special. So we really yep. look for ways to do that. Yep, definitely. So if an author or illustrator is meeting you in person at a conference for perhaps an assessment, what will set them apart? For me, I love to kind of meet people in person. It generally comes down to the writing. I think a strong beginning, a strong something. Again, I'm looking for a voice, a character I remember, something where I want to know more about the story. I have to say I can tell pretty quickly if something is going to be right for me within the first few yeah. pages. Yeah. I mean, you always have to see how something's going to end. And But in terms of if it has potential, I can tell almost immediately. So I just think coming well prepared with your most polished work is really what makes you stand out. And I also think kind of gauge the meeting. And sometimes if I'm meeting with someone and I can tell the piece that they've shared isn't going to work, I say, tell me about what else you're working on. And I've had cases where that's where we find the right fit. I also yeah. have cases where something, some, there's something I've worked on with someone for a while and ultimately it wasn't right for the publisher I was working for. And I have to say, if it's a project and a person I really believe in, I've matched them with editors at other houses. So oh, I wow. really think <laughs> if you believe in something, um, there's a way to kind of help someone get to where they want to be. Yeah. So Nancy, tell us about a couple of middle grade books, hopefully on your upcoming list that you're excited about. I have to say we've been incredibly selective about what we bring to our list. I think because, again, this is kind of a new area for Burbay, we've been slow in signing things up to make sure that the books that we sign up are really the right ones. So I have a bunch of things in development, but not quite signed up yet. So it's probably yep. too early to talk about them too much. But to say they're really interesting projects um, that one of them is a mix of illustration and text. It's an author illustrator that's doing a middle grade. Um, and we've been working on that together for a while, a really character driven story. Um, but I can't say too much about the specific projects yet because no they're still worries. too early of a stage. Well, we'll be very excited when you do start sharing information because mm -hmm. middle grade mavens love reading middle grade books. Absolutely. So Nancy, are the Burbay doors open for submissions at all in 2020? And if so, how do our author listeners or illustrators go about submitting to you? I'm so glad you asked. This is the, actually the first time in our history that we have opened up for fiction submissions and it's only for middle grade fiction. And people can send, authors can send the first 50 pages of their manuscript to submissions, that's plural, at Burbay Books, also plural, .com. Now, some people have submitted already. Our instant reply wasn't working initially, but now it is. And even if you didn't get an instant reply, we did get your project. And oh, I'm actually great. the one reviewing all those projects, and I'm loving it. So oh, the lovely. first 50 pages and a cover letter. And then for projects that I'm interested in, I'll reach out and ask for more. 
Um, and we're saying that that's open till April. So for now, that's what I'm not sure if we'll extend past that. So please get your projects in if you're thinking. Yeah, definitely. Well, Nancy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us at Middle Grade Mavens. We look forward to seeing what Burbe brings for us in 2020. Thank you so much for having me. I have to say it's such an exciting time for Burbay. We're really growing and building the list and our managing director, Alexandra Yatomi Clark is just so wonderful and is really open to authors trying new things and thinking outside the box. And it's just been a really wonderful experience for me being part of the Burbay team. And we're so looking forward to the future. So I hope middle grade mavens, you will help us get the word out about our submissions. And I hope we'll be seeing lots more middle grade submissions soon. We have been getting a lot lately, but I have to say, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the doors are open. So get, get submitting open. folks. Well, to find out more also about Kidlitvik and all the editors who will be visiting, including Nancy, I think I could safely say, hop on over to www.kidlitvik.com. And thanks again, Nancy. Thank you, Julie. Are you as wonderstruck as we are at all the incredible information coming out of this summer bonus series? We haven't finished yet, folks. Next up, we have Claire Hume of University of Queensland Press. If you'd like to know more about the Mavens, log on to middlegradepodcast.com or to find Julie online, drop by julieangrassobooks.com and to find Pamela, stop by www.ueckermann.net.